look at Ephesians chapter 4, and you can't even get a verse in before conviction starts to set in. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. I just want to pause for a moment. I'm going to take a look at a couple words. Paul starts off uh, the portion of this letter. Keep in mind that this is all one letter. We, we break up books of the Bible in chapters, and then inside those chapters, we even break them up with fun little uh, subheadings, as if different portions of this book, this writing that the, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, is not just one run-on letter. It started at the beginning of chapter 1, and he didn't finish his letter until the end of chapter 6. And so here, when you, when you read, Paul pauses and he says, I therefore, there's, there's like another introduction here. He, he stops. There's a pause from all of this doctrine of the riches of Christ and the fullness of, of Christ that we have in faith through the Spirit. And he says, I therefore... This is, a, this is a follow-up declarative statement. Everything I just said is good, it's truth, and it's for you. Therefore, that means because of all this, because of everything that I just spent the last three weeks preaching to you through godly men, because of all of this, therefore, put your seatbelt on. Therefore, he says, I beseech you. I beseech you. You have the Apostle Paul taking the place now of a beggar in your life. Therefore, because of all of this authority, I beg of you. Beseech, is, it's an urgent request. This is what's awesome is when you transition how God leads the body from, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Old Testament, you have an instructional God who says, if you obey me, I will bless you. That's the Old Covenant law. Obey me, and I'll bless you. And then we have New Covenant through Jesus Christ. And in the New Covenant, God says, I've already blessed you. Therefore, obey me. I, I talked to you about this two weeks ago. You've already been blessed with all of the fullness of Christ. Therefore, walk. Therefore, be good kids. I've already given you, you know, I, I talk about my kids a lot it's because they consume a lot of my life. But when they start getting naggy as if they don't have enough stuff in their lives, and I'm just like, I've already given you. We've already provided for you. My arms are not covered with tattoos like I would like them to be because I spend all of my money on you. 
Therefore, get out of my face, do the dishes, and do what I said. Man. Therefore. Now, I'm not going to beseech my children. I'm going to go get the big spoon. But Paul says, I beseech you. Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I beseech you, walk. It's already getting real, man. You've been blessed. Everything under heaven that the Holy Spirit could provide for you through the Spirit of Christ has been given to you. It's at your disposal. Therefore, walk worthy of it. Stop squandering the calling and the blessing that Jesus Christ has poured into you. I'm going to get this guy to preach. Walk worthy of what you've been given with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is how many bodies? There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. We were called to walk in unity as one body. Unity, I was reading in some commentary this week, and and unity is interesting because it's different from uniformity. God's not calling the church to uniformity. God's not calling Pastor Tim and I to look the same and act the same and worship the same and preach the same. He yells a lot more than I do. And he gets really excited and he sends the camera guy in a tizzy. We're not called, we're not called to be the same. Brian and I aren't called to be the same. I got like 20 to 1 words from what Brian puts out of his mouth. He's not called to talk as much as I do just because we're part of the same body. We're not called to be uniform, but to have unity. Unity is something that takes place in the spirit on the inside that draws the body together. Uniformity is a pressure from the outside. There's a lot of, there's a lot of leaders and there's a lot of churches that, that don't understand the difference between the two. I'm not here this morning to try to browbeat you into submission. But I'm going to talk to you about submission today. I'm not trying to, to put pressure on you to change the way that you live your life. That's the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit to do that. But I'm, but I'm going to bring some truth out of God's Word today. Because we're part of one body. A body. A body has feet. A body has hands. I got fingers. My feet are different than your feet. Immediately, we can have unity, but, my, but I'm, my body is not uniform like yours is. I can't wear flip-flops because I have webbed toes. And my son thinks that it's kind of unfortunate that his sister and I have feet that look alike and his feet don't look like ours. I'm like, dude, you can wear flip-flops, all right? You're blessed. When flip-flops became the awesome thing when I was in like junior high, I'm just like, whatevs. But a body has multiple members for a reason. My hand doesn't look like my foot. My arm and my leg don't play the same role. 
But if I lose one of them, the rest of my body suffers because of it. Think about it. We're one body. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Unity, we're going to look closely at Ephesians 4 in these first few verses. Unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the church. Because the church is the body. So this whole idea, and I've said it myself, that I am the church is a lie. I'm not the church. We are the church. Because if you sever my hand and you put it on a plate, my hand has no function anymore. It's dead. It will rot. It will decompose. A member of the body separated from the body is not the body. It's a detached member that will now die because it's not connected to the body. So this idea, and like I said, I've walked in it myself, I've preached it, that I'm, that I'm the church is a, is a lie. And it's a lie that the enemy whispers into the body of Christ so that instead of unity, he can breed dissension. It's kind of like we just watched uh, The Lion King, the new one the other day. Well, we started it, we didn't finish it, and then our kids found out that I finished it all by myself because it's really good while they were at school and they weren't thrilled. But it, it's, it's a lot like you have, you have uh, different, different species of animals that flock together. And one of those antelope are a lot easier target when he's all by himself, Right? That lion's going to come snatch him up. That hyena's going to come snatch him up. Pumbaa doesn't stand a chance unless he's got Timon to help him out. But we're one body. We are the church. And he pours out, listen to this, he pours out these graces, starting in verse 2, that are essential for each individual believer, each member of the body, to possess These graces are essential for each member of the body to possess in order for there to be unity in the body of Christ. Each one of these that I'm going to talk about, there's six of them for the next few minutes. If you don't possess these, look around the room. Look around the room. If everyone around you doesn't possess these, we will not be a uniformed body. There won't be unity in this body. The first one, he says, with all lowliness gentleness. Another word right in there, a good synonym is humility. You, don't, you cannot be a unified body unless we as members of the body walk in humility. And humility is tricky. I shared this with uh, the Angie and, and Ebony this week in our office because I read it in a book. Humility is tricky because once you realize you have it, you've lost it. Somebody's like, what? Think about it. Think about it. You can't, an- you can't answer the question. I used to ask people this question, like teenagers especially, because teenagers, you can, just, you can just trip them with theology all day. But I used to ask teenagers, Hayden, are you humble? He just said, yeah. No, you're not. It's a trick question. You can't answer it. I try to be. 
He says, with all lowliness. We have to pursue humility. That means uh, Jesus says to love God and love people. There's this I am second movement several years ago that was real popular, and a bunch of celebrities were uh, coming out with their Christian faith and, and recording videos, and this whole thing was I'm second. I put God first. That's not even good theology. Like, that bothered me during that whole thing because we're not called to be second. We're called to be third because we are supposed to put God first, and we're supposed to put others before ourselves. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, unless you're willing to take the lesser seat, then you leave no room for the Spirit to edify you. If you walk into a room and you take the best seat at the table, there's no room for God to edify you. So he says, humble yourself, and I will raise you up. You have to be humble. The second one is meekness. It says, with all lowliness, gentleness. Meekness is the next one. Gentleness, meekness. Meekness is power under control. All right? And I'll tell you how meekness gets demonstrated to me on a daily basis. Because I'm married to one of the most meek human beings that personally I believe I'm not just I'm not just being lovey-dovey I believe one of the most meek human beings that's ever walked on this earth and it's and it's been tried and tested because she married me and if if you can stay married to me you've got meekness under control it doesn't mean when we first got married she she was a lot more timid than she is today she had to learn how to crack a whip. It's power. There's power in meekness. Meekness is not weakness. But it's the ability to control yourself. It's the ability to hold your tongue and only speak. Jesus said, I only speak when the Father tells me to speak. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only go where the Father tells me to go. Man, if we could get that down, if that could be the standard that we live our lives, if we could wear cool glasses or goggles that in those goggles only allowed us to see and to do what God was instructing, our, our world would be transformed in a matter of days. Long-suffering. It says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. Somebody who's willing to suffer for a long time, how high is your endurance for pain? Not just physical pain, emotional pain. I, I use this phrase a lot that I have a very high threshold, and I do in my life. This is something that, that God has worked out in my spirit, and it does well for me as a pastor that I have a very high threshold for stupid. Like what gets on a lot of people's nerves, I can, I can take a lot of it. Can you suffer long? Can you put up? with people hurting you? Can you be a punching bag? I preached once to our students and I put a toilet up on the stage and everybody, it was one of the weirdest, I was in this thing where I could work out, like I could put poop into every sermon. <laughs> Teenagers loved it. My wife's like, this is, this is getting gross. But I put a toilet up on the stage and, I, and what I expressed and, and, and showed these students is your life is a toilet. People will regularly take a dump on you. Listen, I know it's funny. They thought it was hilarious. 
Life will take a dump on you. People who are the closest to you, your spouses, your parents, your children, because it's the people that we're the closest to that we show the very best of us. But it's also the people that we're the closest to that we show the very worst of us as well. All of the nice things that, that Mindy had to say about me, with the exception of me being a snotty brother. All of the nice things she said about me, she doesn't even know half of all of the great things about me that my wife knows. Because she gets to see me intimately. She gets to see me at my very best. But if I've ever offended any of you, and I'm told by some friends that, that I can be a lot. Nobody ever explains what that means. They're just like, JR, you're a lot. A lot of. And they're like, where's the call? Let's get some more coffee. Right? If I've ever offended you, because I can be an offensive person, I have a tendency to share what's on my mind. It's something I've been growing in a lot over the last few years. If I had an opinion, you'd know about it. And it all comes from a good place. I have a good heart. I want to help people. I want to see people's lives transformed. But my willingness to be a little too aggressive sometimes offends people. And I don't necessarily want to hear that. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I hope you know it's from a good heart. But what I want you to understand right now is nobody knows how ignorant I can be. Like my wife. Because she sees the very best of me, and she sees the very worst of me. How high is your tolerance for pain? How high is your tolerance for hurting people? Because you have no threshold, you have no ability to make an impact in people's lives if you can't take the field with their treasure. He talks about forbearance, to bear with one another. Bearing with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And endeavoring grace. That strong desire to see unity take place. And then peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In Romans 12, I think, Scripture says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That means you have a responsibility. Hear me out. It means you have a responsibility to have peace even if the conflict isn't your fault. This took me a long time. It took me a long time. I was an angry man for a very long time because people hurt me. And when I came to a realization that it is my issue with whether or not I stay hurt, the Holy Spirit started bringing some walls down. We're called to be peacemakers. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. So what am I saying right now? I'm saying if I've ever offended you, I'm sorry. But it's up to you to make that right. How can I resolve your hurt feelings if you won't come seek peace with me? 
Tim and I have got on each other's nerves before. You know what's a good tell that a good conversation's going to happen? Is when your brother texts you and wants to get some coffee. Tim doesn't drink coffee. I asked him to go to coffee, and he's like, oh, man. Right? We're called to be peacemakers. For what purpose? He beseeches you, therefore, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How are you going to do that with these six graces I've laid out for you? Humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, endeavoring, and peace. For what purpose? Because to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is verse 7. Because he gives out spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 through 12, the Apostle Paul lays out to the letter in Corinth all of the spiritual gifts that are made available. That God gives out uh, just according to his goodwill. However he feels. And it's so, it's so funny because, yes, we, we, we are instructed that we can seek out certain gifts. But when you see a brother or a sister who has a spiritual gift that maybe isn't really strong in you, I think it's hilarious when we allow that to breed dissension in the body because literally the Scripture says he hands them out according to his will. His purpose. So Pastor Tim doesn't look like me. Pastor Tim doesn't have the same spiritual gifts that I have. I don't have the same spiritual gifts that Tim has. Which is why the hand needs the foot. To be a unified body. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So God doesn't just give us different gifts because it's what he felt like doing. He gives us different gifts so that we can profit each other. And this is what happens a lot in the church is I get some gifting, and I've got good gifts. I get some gifting in my life, and so I want to utilize my gifting for the kingdom. I want to utilize my gift to edify God and I get to experience the fact that when I use my gift to edify God, then the Holy Spirit edifies me through the process. It's an awesome transaction. But it doesn't say that he pours out the manifestation of the Spirit given to each one for the profit of themselves. It's for the body. If you don't have unity in the body, that means your gift, if you're not connected in unity to the body, your gift by by not connecting to the body, you are robbing somebody else. It's for the profit of the body. Your spiritual gift is supposed to profit me. But what we have, the hurdles in the church today, is that we have allowed spiritual gifts to breed division in the church instead of unity. And I, I'll be transparent, all right? I'm getting real. I had a little meeting with some of our worship team before church, gave some encouragement, gave some, gave some wisdom. I'm like, listen, I'm not 
sharing something with you that I've mastered. I'm sharing something with you that the Holy Spirit's working in me right now too. We've allowed spiritual gifts to create division in the church when he gave them for unity. Because I see Tim's spiritual gift and his spiritual gift looks really cool. I'm being honest right now. This isn't hypothetical. This happened two years ago. I didn't like Tim for a while. I didn't. I appreciated him. I respected him. I looked up to him, but I didn't like him because I saw something in him that I didn't have. And I allowed that to create division between our hearts. And then finally, one day, because I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, have any of you, not very many of you, who's played a board game with me before or any kind of game with me? How many enjoyed the experience? You're all, you're all liars. You're all liars. I'm, I'm a worse, listen, I'm a worse winner than I am a loser. People, you talk about poor losers, right? Somebody can't handle losing, they throw a fit or whatever. I'm, a, I'm worse to be around when I'm winning because I like to, I, mean, I talk some trash. You'd be surprised how much trash I can talk over phase 10, which literally requires no skill whatsoever. You're li- it's literally whatever cards in the deck is the card you're getting. Does it frustrate me when we finally get to the end of the game? Because seldom, how many of you played phase 10? All right. Seldom do you actually finish the game because it takes forever, even with four people. So the point we actually finish the game, and my friend Amanda wins by points. Like we were on the same five by five points. Like that frustrates me. But you know what's even more frustrating for everybody else? When I win. Because I like to talk some trash. It's fun. I like to be competitive. But the competitiveness in me often is, what am I trying to say right now? It's my, it's my own worst enemy. Because I can see, I can see gifts in my brother. And that created division in my heart. And finally, one day, I was praying. I was seeking the Lord, and God asked me this question. And it really, I mean, it just stopped me in my tracks. I didn't intend on sharing this. And God said to me, as soon as you will stop comparing yourself to other godly men and position yourself to learn from them, watch what I'll be able to do. And then it just dawned on me. I started laughing, and then I started feeling real stupid because it just dawned on me. Here I have two men in my life, Pastor Tim, Pastor Sean. I have two men in my life who have 15 years of experience on me, and I'm running around like a cat trying to chase a laser pointer, trying to compare myself and validate myself because I don't like to feel in fear because I'm competitive, We use gifts to breed division in the church, and it happens across the board. I'll be honest about my shortcomings. My prayer is that my willingness to be vulnerable in my issues with this will allow you to sit and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with yours. Because this isn't a JR problem. This is a, this is a church problem. And this isn't just an echo church problem. This is a global body of Christ problem.
it is a it is a problem when as a youth pastor I tried four or five different times to gather other youth groups together in a community to have a see you at the poll rally or to do a, a an event called a 30 hour famine where you raise money to to support uh, World Vision, that's an organization that feeds hungry kids overseas. Four or five times I tried to rally other youth pastors together and youth groups together to put on a big community event, and I got zero cooperation. That's a problem in the church. It's not just in the, inside the, the four walls of one church. This is an issue from church to church. The body is broken because we've allowed division to be bred through the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave us, we use them as daggers at one another. Instead of taking our, well, I'll say swords instead of daggers, instead of taking our swords as the body and standing back to back to fight together like we're supposed to, we're fighting with each other. Like a bunch of dumb kids that can't understand the purpose of the blessing that God gave. I'm totally printing these notes out because this thing keeps falling asleep. Verses 11 and 12, Paul lays out fivefold anointing for the leadership of the church, and I'm not going to really dump, jump into that. I actually preached on it a few months ago, but we've literally been talking about that for five years. So if you don't have an understanding of fivefold anointing, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, go study on that. I don't have time to really jump into that today. All right? But here's the thing. The fivefold anointing, at this point, if you've been at this church for six months, you should have pretty solid understanding of fivefold anointing. You should have pretty solid understanding that in our church, we are blessed with apostolic leadership. That in our church, we are blessed with prophetic leadership. That in our church, we're blessed with evangelical leadership. That in our church, we're blessed with pastoral leadership. You should, you should understand that. What I'm going to create some frustration for you this morning is I'm going to make this point. Fivefold anointing doesn't work in the church without unity. It doesn't work. Do all of those gifts exist? Do all of those anointings exist? Do all of them function individually? Absolutely. But it does not work as a fivefold. It's a hand. It does not work without unity in the church. And that's why we, what we have a lot is we have, we have moments of really awesome prophetic ministry and we have moments of really awesome uh, evangelical ministry and I get to experience really awesome moments. It's normally not in the service. It's during the week for me. But I get to have really awesome moments of pastoral ministry. We have a lady who's been part of our church for several years, Miss Jean, is an older lady. She's not been around for several months because she's not been able to get around. She's been in an assisted living facility, but she passed away this last week. I got to preach her funeral yesterday. I got to minister to her kids who don't even come to our church. But I spent an afternoon just ministering to a family. And as I was standing by the graveside sharing Scripture and, and ministering to them, and the Holy Spirit just like pulled some... Like, I didn't even know that I had any scales left, but pulled some scales off my eyes and allowed me to see how awesome of an opportunity he was giving me for what I was doing in that moment and being able to minister to people. 
Yeah, it all exists, but it doesn't function as a hand. It doesn't do this. I can do this. We can do this. We can do this. That's all I'm going to do. But it doesn't function without unity. Many in the church understand, listen, many in the church, this is like, this is my whole sermon right here, all right? Many in the church understand the fivefold anointing and desire to benefit from it. I'm going to add on to this because the Holy Spirit's showing me something else even right now. Many people understand in the church, many of you, most of you understand fivefold anointing in the church and you have a desire to benefit from it and you do benefit from it. But few submit to it. And if I hurt your feelings right now, listen, I've, I've been quivering in my chair downstairs all week about writing this sermon because I've had some conversations with people recently, good friends of mine, and I promise I'm not coming after you. But this is truth. This is truth. Any believer that has the fullness of the Holy Spirit inside of them that comes to light and comes to revelation of what the fivefold anointing is in the church. That's the holistic leadership model of the body of Christ. Any believer with that understanding will have a desire to benefit from it. It's good stuff. That's, that's, that's how the spirit moves in the church. But few, few in the church. It's why the church, that's why unity in the church, for the most part, is broken. Do we love each other? Absolutely. Do we have unity? Not very often. Why? Because we, we appreciate it, and we want to benefit from it, and we do benefit from it. And because we are allowed to benefit from it without unity, few submit to it. What's that mean? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what it means. But you might not like what I have to say. We as believers... We as members of the body of Christ, not just, not just even, even leadership in the church, but not just leadership in the church. As members of the body, we are breeders of disunity when we magnify our gifts to the point or the gifts of others. I don't, it might not just be my gift that I'm magnifying. I like to, I've talked about Pastor Tim several times. We magnify our gifts or the gifts of others that we appreciate over the other gifts. And what's that do? I mean, if I go on and on and on and on about how awesome I think one gift is, how amazing one gift is, how powerful one gift is, I don't have to say anything negative about another member of the body who has different gifting. I don't have to say anything negative about that person, but I have belittled them because all I've done is magnify something else. You see this? Do you see this? Let me break it down for you. I have two kids. And if all I do when I'm sitting at the couch with my kids is tell Kaylee how awesome she is, 
and how special she is and how beautiful she is and how talented she is. And then I get up and I go in my bedroom. What have I done to my son? That's what we do in the church. Giftings that we like, often the giftings that we have, we magnify, we put them up on a pedestal. Nothing is as, as important as this because it's my gift. Why? Because you're all a lot like me. We're in it together. All of us have that competitiveness. I just will take it out on you during phase 10. We're unable to submit to the fivefold when we don't even consider those that God has placed in higher callings as our spiritual leadership. Mostly we don't have any value of spiritual leadership because we're good all by ourselves. I can talk to the Holy Spirit. I can discern the Holy Spirit. I can pray. God talks to me. I have my Bible. I can study it. I'm good. But if all I do is study this scripture, and as I'm reading this scripture, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, and I discern the, 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 the words of the Holy Spirit for myself as I'm reading this scripture, the only message that I'm ever getting from this scripture is through my pastoral gifting. That's all I'm ever getting. So I'll never get to hear it filtered through a prophetic lens. Does that mean that every single thing that you read in the Bible, you should come knock on my door and then go knock on Pastor Tim's door and then go knock on Pastor Ebony's door and then go knock on Pastor Brooke and Pastor Sean's door and take up all of our time getting all of our opinions about every scripture that you ever read? Please, God, no. You do have the ability to discern scripture all by yourself. But this is, this is the issue that I'm going to talk about. And... I'll tell you something that I've noticed in myself and, and in the body over, over many years is how often people in the church, the Scripture says that he calls some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And I can't tell you how many times I can remember people in my church that God has called me and, and directed me to submit my life to lead. Now, you can go to James, and it says, be careful, those of you who choose to teach. Be careful, those of you who agree to step into a higher calling that the Holy Spirit puts on your life. Because if you do, you'll be judged more strictly. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no real benefit to stepping into a, a leadership position in the body of Christ. You know, this idea, and I did this funeral, and they asked me, well, what title do you prefer? Do you prefer pastor or reverend? And I'm like, please don't call me reverend. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate it when, it's, and it's always at a funeral, and it's Reverend J.R. Brown. I'm like, that doesn't even look right. Because I am not more reverent. I don't have a special connection. There's, there's no longer an inner holy of holies that I get to go into that you don't get to go into. You have the same access I do. And I'm 
quite thankful for that because nobody ties a rope around my ankle with a bell around my neck and has to pull my sorry butt back out of there when the presence of the Lord smites me. If that didn't make any sense to you and you're like, what? Just go read some Old Testament temple scripture. Scary stuff. You have the same access I do. The only thing that I get because of my willingness to submit my life to be in a position of spiritual leadership in the body of Christ, the only thing that I receive from that that you don't is responsibility. There, there is a different responsibility on my life because of that. And as somebody who has submitted my life to a calling that God has placed, Pastor Tim, as a man who has submitted his life to a calling that God has placed on his life, Pastor Bruce, somebody who has submitted, Pastor Sean, Pastor Brooke, Pastor Ebony, people who have submitted their lives, I cannot tell you how many times, I, 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 I don't have count of how many times people in the church that I'm called to lead and equip to do the work of ministry have come into my office to tell me what they have decided to do, that God spoke to them, and they prayed about it, and they made this decision, and they are coming into my office to inform me as a leader, a spiritual leader in the church, in the body of Christ, a leader in a position that God has called me to. If this makes me sound arrogant, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But I can't tell you how many times people have come into my office to inform me of a, of a life-changing decision that they've made to then put me in a position to have to say, okay. Why? Because as, as the body, as a whole, I'm not saying every single person, if you're having an issue with this, maybe you're better than most. By that, you're better than me because this isn't even how I handled myself. But we have no appreciation and we have no um, understanding of spiritual leadership. We have no submission to spiritual leadership in this fivefold anointing. What does that do? That breeds division. Another thing that I can't tell you, I can't tell you because I don't, I don't recall, is how often people come in when, when there's life-changing decision. Like, like, I'm talking about big stuff. I'm not talking about quitting smoking. I'm not talking about getting in the Word. I'm not talking about men, how we uh, act as husbands towards our, towards our wives. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about big stuff. Big stuff. I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have come into my office and say, hey, something I feel like the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. Would you take some time, pray about that, and then let me know, let me know what you think about that. So it's great that we have fivefold anointing. And this is the thing about it. In that gifting, he gives out gifts, and he allows gifts to operate. The Holy Spirit pours out the gifts. He turns on the ignition, and he lets them fire. So if you have an evangelistic gift, it's going to operate. If you have a prophetic gift, it's going to operate. Now I'm going to say this too. Just because you have a, a spiritual gift doesn't mean that you've been called to serve in, an, in, a, in a leadership role in the body of Christ. That's a completely different thing. And I, I say this to everybody who tells me that they want to submit their life to ministry, that God's called them into full-time ministry. I say, are you sure? 
Well, I'm pretty sure until you're positive, don't do it because it's hard. It's hard. But you have these giftings. That's great. The Holy Spirit will allow them to operate. What we do when we take gifts that the Spirit's given and we operate them outside of unity, listen to me, is we're squandering our gifts. That's great that I have a pastoral gift. It's great that God has put a, a, a gifting and a calling on my life to be able to go touch people's lives and speak into people's lives and minister to people when they're hurting. Something that my wife started saying about me when we were, I think, even dating or engaged is very early on in our relationship. And she started saying this then, that I'm wise beyond my years. And I'm like, that's... It weirds me out. Still weirds me out. Why? Because there's a lot of responsibility in wisdom. You can think a lot of a lot of wise thoughts, but as soon as you share them, you're responsible for them. When I sit in a small group and I talk to Aaron about how we walk out our Christian lives as godly men, I'm responsible for everything that I speak into his life. And if I'm wrong, I'm responsible for that. If I'm right, and then he sees me at Price Chopper ripping my wife a new one and treating her like a dog, I'm responsible for that. And we squander the gifts because he, he, he ignites them. The ignition's already been turned on. It functions, but when they don't function in unity together, we don't operate as a body. Are you following me? This is one of those things... Where God wants to tell the church, if you would stop comparing yourself, if you would stop, insert what the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now, if you would stop operating like this and submit to the unity of the body, submit to the unity of the fivefold. That's great. It's great that we have a, a senior pastor who has an apostolic anointing on his life, but that does nothing for you if you won't submit to a spiritual leadership. You gain nothing from that. And if you have a spiritual gifting that you're trying to operate in your life because you want to do awesome things for the kingdom, but you won't submit to the apostolic leader that God has put over your body, then you're squandering that gift. And this is bold, all right? This is bold. I might get in trouble for this. But I'm going to tell you this. You have two choices. One, submit to God's word, which is submit to the fivefold anointing. Submit to the apostolic leadership that you have. Unify your life and your gifting to the body of Christ, this body of Christ. Your second option is go find another church that you feel like you can't do that. Because if you don't do either one of those, then you're trying to use a gift that God meant to be part of a body all by itself. You're, you're walking around with a leg, trying to make a leg run, you're trying to make a leg hop. Now, what's, what's off about that analogy is the Holy Spirit will allow it to operate. He will allow your gifting to impact people's lives. 
But hear these words that God spoke to me. Jerry, if you would just stop, and if you would just start, imagine what I could do. Imagine what I could do. Imagine we are a church that's impacting a community. But imagine the influence that we could have. Multiplication's cool, and I'm not a math guy. But when you start multiplying stuff by itself, you get to a really big number really fast. Imagine what I could do. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself, the body. When the members of the body will grow up and operate together in unity under spiritual authority, it causes growth for the body. Growth. We got, we, we got empty chairs in here. I know it's daylight savings. It's the early service. Bunch of sleepyheads. This would be, probably be packed next service. But we still got empty chairs in here. We got empty chairs downstairs you don't even know about. When the body, the individual members of the body will grow up and function together in unity, when we can appreciate and respect and submit to each other in unity, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I love that verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. That's my, that's my heart. That's what I've been trying to do up here. But if I can speak some truth, we've Americanized God's word and we've Americanized the anointing of the Holy Spirit to the point of destruction. And as long as we continue to filter the gifts of the Spirit through our emotions, our hurts, our comforts, our opinions, we'll continue to have an ununified church. Carries on to verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. You know Christ. This is not the example you've learned from Christ. You have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and may be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness, holiness, and the successful movement of the fivefold, all the riches of Christ mentioned in the first four chapters of Ephesians, all ride on there being unity in the body.
verse 25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. It's all right to get frustrated with me. Just don't sin. Don't be, don't be bad-mouthing me after you leave today. You can be mad at me all you want. You can come tell me about it, and I'll have a conversation with you. And I'll tell you why I'm right. Because I'm competitive. I'm just joking. I, I, if you have a, a problem, I hope you know you can come talk to me. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, I memorized that verse, that last verse, Ephesians 4.32, when I was a kid. We had this ministry group come to our church and put on a revival, and we had a like kid's church thing that happened at the same time. And every night we would memorize a different Bible verse through song. And I learned, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ to cast forgiven you. do do Ephesians 4.32. Yeah. You and I learned, I thought that was just about me not being a stooge. I should forgive people. It's about unity in the body. This isn't about me being willing to forgive my neighbor. Who, like my, my, my literal neighbor, who I don't know that well. Maybe he does something that aggravates me. I used to have a neighbor that did that. It's not, a, it's not about just being a forgiving person. It is about all of those things, but it's about unity in the body. But this is what we do. We, we allow past things. We allow hurts. We allow past experiences from, from, from churches or church leaders that aren't even part of our lives anymore. We allow that to direct how we operate in the body today. Are you kidding me? If I went to Price Chopper and the cashier treated me like a jerk and upcharged me and stole my money and told me that I was ugly and went, when I walked out, I'm not never going to go grocery shopping again. I'm I'm not never going to trust another cashier. I'm going to go report that one. Stop pursuing spiritual gifts until you're prepared to pursue unity first. Stop pursuing spiritual gifts until you're prepared to pursue unity in the body of Christ first. Because if you've got a cool gifting, God will let it operate. He's weird like that. I don't completely understand it. Personally, I'd like if somebody separated from the church, he'd just flick a switch, turn that off, and then make us reconnect before he turns it on again. That's how I would work if I was God. 
be glad I'm not God. He still lets it operate. But stop pursuing spiritual gifting if you don't have unity in the body of Christ. If your heart's not unified in the body of Christ because you're squandering that gift. You are not using it for the intention that it was given to you. That's squandering. That's what, that's what the prodigal son did with his inheritance. He said, Dad, give me some stuff. So his dad gave him some stuff. And then he went and he spent all the stuff on stuff that wasn't what the father gave it to him for. You can't, you can't argue with the design that God has for spiritual gifts that are poured out to us through the Holy Spirit. This is in black and white. You can't argue with that. Stop pursuing spiritual gifts until you're prepared to pursue unity first. Stop pursuing personal edification in your gift. Never does God's word call for personal edification because you're part of a body. My hand doesn't, woo, I'm the coolest hand ever. This hand does have a cool ring that this hand doesn't have. Maybe I ought to get a ring for this hand because this hand might be jealous of this hand because he has a ring on. Stop holding on to bad character. Stop holding on to hurt. Stop holding on to things that happened to you however long ago. Maybe your trust has been broken. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were taken advantage of. Let that go. Please, please, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this just as bluntly as I can. All right? Hear my heart, not my words. Please don't hold me accountable for what some other pastor did to you. If you need to come talk, if, if we need to do some healing, let's, let's take care of it. But there's got to be unity in the body of Christ. And we've allowed spiritual gifts to create division. Let go of your anger. Pursue unity. And the end of this, guard your mouth. Take inventory of your words. He says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Instead, forgive each other. Unify with the body.